0: And business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Daniel Harmon and we'll explore how to create long form video that sells. And here's the thing if you don't know Daniel, you probably know the work of his company, Harmon Brothers. They have produced Squatty Potty with the Pooping Unicorn, Poopery, and so many other amazing videos. Today, I get a chance to basically unravel how Daniel built this company, and more importantly, how he creates videos that sell, people love to watch. I think you're going to find this absolutely fascinating. If you want to reach me, you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery.
1: Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip.
0: This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric?
1: I found a really cool tool for creating content. It's called air story,
0: air story. Tell me more.
1: Yeah. So the best way I can paint this is it is like an Evernote or an Evernote web clipper, but on steroids where you can grab images and text and add annotations and all that kind of stuff. Wherever you're doing your research for your content creation, it, Pulls it all over into a little hopper inside of a the web clipper for uh, what is it Chrome and Firefox and then you can drag and drop those things that you've clipped right into your Google Docs, arra- rearrange them. I mean, I, I can see the bloggers going crazy for this.
0: So is it a browser-based research tool kind of thing yeah. or yeah? Yes, that's, okay,
1: that's exactly right. Yes, exactly. Yes, I, that's that those would be the words that I would use to describe it because this is what you're going to do. I mean, you're going to go across and find your research. You're going to, uh, grab that data, you know, the copy that you find your images that you want to maybe show. Um, you can even use this to, you could drag and drop stuff from this into images or not images, emails. Hmm. So, you know, if you were like, Hey, I just saw this really cool article. Look what they're doing here. You copy it or I should say clip it with air story and then go into your email and say, Hey, Eric, da da, 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 da check this out and then drag it over and drop it right into the email. So and then how send does it, it,
0: how does it work exactly?
1: Well, it, I mean, it works a lot like, uh, I mean, we, we use Trello a lot okay. and it, it works a lot like those cards. So, so, but how
0: do you clip something? I mean, is there some sort of explain that process?
1: Yeah. So literally there's a, uh, a browser add on for Chrome and for Firefox that then once you're on a page where you want to clip something, it's up there in your browser bar, you click it and it activates air story. And then you start to select uh, all the different pieces that you want on that page, or you can even just right click on whatever it is. And it'll say add to air story as one of the options.
0: Hmm. So it adds it to some sort of existing story that already exists. Is that the idea?
1: No, it'll start a new one. So that's the beauty of it. Those stories then, those air stories, you can then drag and drop those in different order and over into different types of documents. Uh, you know, Again, Google Docs, emails, et cetera.
0: So uh, the story cross-references the original source, I'm assuming, so you can go back and read the rest of it later. Is that the idea?
1: Yes, that's the other pieces. You can literally type in you know, and add a bunch of different metadata like the original URL if you want to. You can add in uh, the time and date that you grabbed it or posted it. Um, so you can catalog your research in other words properly.
0: Where do we find this thing and does is it free?
1: It is free and what you can do is uh you can go over to airstory.co. That's airstory.co.
0: Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast just like you do. And now for my interview with Daniel Harmon.
1: Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide.
0: Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Daniel Harmon. If you don't know who Daniel is, he is the chief creative officer at Harmon Brothers, a business that specializes in using video to brand and sell with humor. You're probably familiar with his work. Some of the stuff he's done includes Squatty Potty's Pooping Unicorn video, the poopery videos, and also work for Chatbooks. His creative work also launched the Purple Mattress Company, and he also founded Harmon Brothers University, an online course designed to help people master video marketing. Daniel, very excited to welcome you to the show.
2: Thanks for having me on, Michael. Excited to be here.
0: So today, Daniel and I are going to explore how to create videos that brand and sell your business. And before we get into this, Daniel, I would love to hear your backstory. How in the world, start wherever you want to start, but how in the world did you get into this space? Because the work that you're doing is very legendary and I'd love to hear kind of like where it all started.
2: <laughs> well, it actually starts with, um, with my other brothers, Jeffrey and Neil, they were co-founders of a company called Brush, and it's a tongue cleaner that is Oh my is gosh, I used- totally
0: know that company. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a tongue cleaner for bad breath, and uh, Dr. Bob, the guy who invented the aura brush, was looking for a way to sell it. He tried to he tried to sell it into lo- local grocery stores, and it just wasn't moving at all, and so kind of as a last-ditch effort, he went to the local university here um, where my brother Jeffrey was studying in a marketing class, and he did a study on, okay, how well would this thing sell online and the conclusion the groups of students came back to was essentially well from our research about seven percent of people indicated that they would buy a product like this online so just it's probably not your worth the time worth your time to even bother and then jeffrey raised his hand and said well wait seven percent of people out of like 300 million americans that's that's millions of people why not just sell to them And Dr. Bob really liked that and um, got together with Jeffrey afterwards and said, Hey, help me sell this thing. And, uh, Jeffrey got started on it. He ended up making a video for aura brush, um, called, um, how to tell if you have bad breath, um, or how to test if you have bad breath. I can't remember the title exactly, but it essentially shows a guy testing his breath with a spoon and, um, scraping the spoon on his tongue, smelling it and to see if you have bad breath. And, um, this came around the time that YouTube introduced their advertising platform, where before it just been a bunch of you know cat videos and crazy videos that people passed along. And then Jeffrey started experimenting with this, um, aura brush video to try to sell it, and it was very successful. And, um, by
0: the way, what year yeah, is this approximately? Do you have any sense of when this was?
2: Yeah, it's about 2009 okay. when this started out, and then, um, and then he got my brother, Neil, involved, who was um, uh, a programmer. And so Neil was helping build out what we now know as a funnel. Mm. So they had a landing page and a uh, checkout and all these things. And they started running up hundreds of thousands and even millions of views on this on this Orebrush video. And it really took off to where people would start going into their local Walgreens and CVS and asking for it. It wouldn't be there. And eventually, the buyers of Walgreens and CVS and um, and uh, Walmart and everybody caved and uh, Orabrush found distribution all over the United States and even internationally and uh, became kind of a poster child for YouTube and so before YouTube became hot they were um, very much riding that wave and they brought me into that process where I was helping them with branding and writing and all these different things and um, eventually that led to uh, Jeffrey being approached by the CEO of Poopery and asked if, um, if he could do a campaign for them. And, um, uh, we were at a point where, uh, we were pretty much ready to leave or brush. Um, really didn't like the direction where the, uh, the company was going, had some new, new leadership and and management and stuff. And, and, um, Neil and Jeffrey resigned. Um, I, uh, quickly followed after them and we did the poopery campaign. Tell people and, what that is. Um, if they,
0: if they're not familiar with it, they might be familiar with the campaign.
2: Okay. Um, poopery. Is a um, it's basically a toilet spray to cover up the smells of your number twos, <laughs> and it is uh, most known for the the British lady in the blue dress that opens up the stall and starts talking very um, descriptively about her number twos, and um, you know jumps with her out in like a um, a barn of cows and um, these different circumstances, and um, that video also um blew up but um harvard brothers kind of got it start when when we were going to do the poopery campaign um jeffrey and neil they needed a place to be able to put the campaign money (laughs) they needed an entity for it and so like it was like a 12 o'clock at night decision of like what are we going to call this this business and they're basically like well let's just call it Harmer brothers and we'll change the name later um if we need to and there was no thought of it being like an ad agency or anything like that. But then once um, we put the video out there um, and the Huffington Post got a hold of it and Adweek got a hold of it and it started spreading all over the Internet, everyone started crediting crediting the creative agency as Harman Brothers. Mm. And we were we had launched this whole campaign for my brother's kitchen table. Wow. Um, is What had happened? And we were sitting there looking across the table at each other being like, wait, are we an agency? I guess we're an agency. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how it happened. Like for someone or for a, a company that cares as much about branding as we do, we certainly <laughs> didn't go through that process with our own name very well. It just kind of kind of stuck. And then um, Poopery led to Squatty Potty um, eventually noticing us and really wanting us to do something similar with their brand and uh they approached us and uh their CEO um Bobby Edwards really liked the poopery campaign and honestly wished it had been done for his own brand but then he came to us and we kind of pitched him on this idea of a pooping unicorn with ice cream and he was like no this is crazy <laughs> um i actually i actually think he kind of liked it but um to be honest a lot of the people around him didn't so he backed away for a time and then um because he had a, a one particular investor, a very <laughs> a very well known investor. Let's just put it that way. Yeah,
0: uh, my, my, a really... shark.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just say that. Um, okay, so anyway, yeah, the they just did not like this idea of of making the campaign, and um, his parents didn't either, who are co founders. Right. And they went off and tried to do their own thing for a while. He came back three months later and was like, "Okay, we're not getting the results we want. Let's just do this thing." and so we dove in head first um built out this entire world of um of a unicorn and ice cream poop and and this prince and this whole fantastical element to it and then when we launched the video like it was it was poopery times like five right kind of a thing like poopery had gone really viral but this one exploded all over the place especially because we put it up on both YouTube and Facebook, and it was when um, Facebook's algorithm had really kind of switched over to favor their own content right. as opposed to YouTube being post there, and they had gotten the autoplay feature going. And I mean, it was within a week; it had like 25 million views, and um, That's just crazy. It, yeah, it just sold sold them off the shelves. They started running their factories 24 seven to keep up with the demand. Um, sales in Bed Bath and Beyond um, jumped by I think 400 percent their Their website sales were up 600%. And then ultimately they sold out just before Christmas. And it was just a hugely successful campaign and one thing led to another and we ended up doing purple as well. We launched um, the purple brand. We did the Goldilocks raw egg drop test Hmm. um, or raw egg test um, with the glass that falls down on the bed and, and the bed that's too hard and the bed that's too soft and the medium bed that's just terrible. And then there's the purple bed that cushions the eggs. And then um, we had fiber fix and then we had chat books and then we've had you know a, a, a string of hits from you know camp chef and bedjet and Lumi and, and so on. So yeah, that's that's us in a nutshell, I guess. This that's is the awesome. Story.
0: Well that's awesome. And so many people listening are gonna be familiar with at least one of those examples, if not multiple of those examples. So I think that's a really good setup because really what you guys specialize in is helping businesses who have products to sell um, essentially create videos that people love to watch, love to share totally out of the box and, um, and really move product, which I think is amazing. So, um, I'm curious, why do you think video in particular, online video is such, you know, why does it sell? What's the big deal? I mean, why, why, why is it so powerful?
2: I think video sells so well. There's a certain amount of prestige still with video. Like we're, we're very much in the technology revolution right now where the price, I guess the, the cost to get in on using video has dropped dramatically, right? Anybody can just pick up their phone and start creating video at any moment right now. But that's all happened um, within like the past, what, like 10 years kind of a thing um, where it's, it's gotten to that point where it's so ubiquitous that we almost are starting to take it for granted and i think there's still um, a little bit of a carryover from old media days right the video was just this really untouchable kind of prestigious thing but even a level beyond that video is such a great storytelling medium partially because it's engaging more than one sense right it's not just what you're hearing but it's also what you're seeing and then, if it's grounding in something really relatable and emotional for people, that combination of what you're seeing and what you're hearing, and um, that storytelling aspect of it—seeing come alive like a movie, something come alive like a movie—is just. It, it seems to have an emotional impact in a way that, like almost nothing else, um, we experience aside from what we experience in actual real life. It's, it's one of the closest things I think that technology has presented us with that gets super close to just having like a kind of a a real life out of body experience.
0: So Daniel, um, if you think about how traditional video would spread, you know, you would watch it on television and then you'd talk about it when you get to work, right? Or you would say, hey, did you see that commercial, right? Like where's yes. the B for any of these traditional 30 second or even 60 second ads that happened during the Super Bowl. But what, what's fascinating, I think, about the online side of this is that we can watch it, first of all, from anywhere, right? So we can pull it up on our phones yes. while we're in line. We can immediately share it with friends. So I think the 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 ability for the video to pop because of the nature of how easy it is to share, especially on social platforms, I think is kind of the secret sauce because I would imagine you would have had to have spent tens of millions of dollars on traditional television to get the same kind of results, don't you agree, as what you got with Squatty Potty, right?
2: Yeah, so in order to get those same results for Squatty Potty, yes, we would have had to have spent, I mean, tens of millions of dollars. We've, We've often compared the results that our campaigns drive to, um, super bowl type results, but without that kind of money and you hit the nail on the head. So much of it has to do with the fact that people can share stuff and sharing is just kind of a natural extension of what we already do in real life. Right? So when we, when we start with our videos, um, w- when we're thinking of concepts, we're always kind of trying to think of concepts that will um, be a topic of dinner table discussion. Mm. And that was our starting point for poopery and it was the same thing um, with squatty potty. Is like, what 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 would be something fun for people to say around Sunday dinner or at um, a party with their friends? And that's kind of where where we landed with those with those concepts themselves. And then the social validation of once your friends share something, right? And when they say it's really cool, and then it's not just like you watching your TV by yourself and being like, oh, that's that I really like that ad. It's like oh, so-and-so is vouching for this, and so I, I, need to, I need to listen up, and I need to watch what's going on here. Um, that's, that's immensely powerful with things. And um, obviously, Facebook and YouTube have, have done so much in the way of facilitating that. I mean, more so now than Facebook's videos where that happens, right, is it being able to share just because of the way their algorithm favors so much their own content. But um, yeah, it it, it very much social media in its best forms, when its technology has served us the way I think it is supposed to, it becomes an extension of natural behaviors that are existing already in our lives. And so much of that we're we're seeing with um, the way video is shared now.
0: Awesome. Daniel, I would love to talk about kind of the process of how you go about building story that sells. I think a lot of people listening right now would love to at least understand the fundamentals that go into creating, you know, the story that goes into the video, where do we start and what can you help us understand more about like the whole process, if you will.
2: So the starting point for us is always the product or service. And what I mean by that is we have to be sold on it first. It has to be something that we're passionate about and we feel like nothing sells better than the truth. And so if we can get passionate about something um, about a product or service, then we're going to kind of put our hearts and souls into it and that's going to come through and people are going to feel that in the work. And ultimately that's what you're trying to do it, in storytelling, right? Is you're trying to make people feel something. And so for something like something like the Squatty Potty, it just made all the sense of the world when we got a hold of a stool and tried pooping with it ourselves. And <laughs> we were like, oh yeah, this actually does make a big difference. It relieves strain. It it um, It helps you go faster. All these different things that they've even they've had studies that have come out to reconfirm this, um, that have hit the news recently, but, um, we, we were very much sold on that product. And so it was easy, really easy to run with it. So that's always the starting point is something we believe in and that we're passionate about.
0: So for those that want to try to model what, um, you, what you're doing, the key thing is it sounds like the product needs to have some unique differentiator, right. And the, the, the team that's going to be, you know, working on the story needs to truly believe that it's something special. It's it, yes. you know, from my perspective. It's like there's tens of thousands of people listening right now, and of course, ninety nine percent of them will, could never afford to work with you guys, and never would have that opportunity. But those that want to try to model what you guys are doing, I think what I'm hearing you say is you got to have a really amazing product to begin with. Am I right?
2: Yeah. Yes. Very much. You can't put. You know. You can't polish a turd very far. <laughs> for, right. To put it in uh, some pretty simple terms, but yes, I mean we do look for stuff that's differentiated differentiation is a portion of it, like you mentioned, but really it's about that passion that we have for the product. Just the, the, something that's great to, to begin with. And obviously there's, you know, there's all sorts of products in the marketplace and it, it doesn't always have to be the very best of its kind, but it, at least at minimum, it's gotta be something you, you believe in it for some reason, right. right, right. Uh, uh, of itself. And, um, the second thing for us is when we go through that process of falling in love with the product. You get really unique insights, meaning you go through essentially your own customer journey. When you have that little aha moment of like, oh, that's why the Squatty Potty works so well for me. Or like when you lay down on a purple mattress for the first time and you feel the way it gives to your pressure points but yet supports your back. And you're like, oh, that's why I can you know, get into this. It gives you very unique insights that make it so you can think like a customer and therefore you can talk to a customer and tell a story to a customer. And so that's where some of our best insights come is when we back our way through, um, what originally made us fall in love with a product of like a, the aha moment of like, Oh, that's why it's so cool. And sometimes that doesn't even come in the form of what sells us. Like it could be what sells I, my wife, you know, and she, she mentions why this is so cool to her or, um, you know, it, it it can be any number of people, but you you want to have that that passion behind it, and so that that's for us is the starting point. And from there, I mean, to us, uh, one of our primary weapons of choice um, in storytelling is comedy, and so we involve um, several people that we think are funny, um, that we uh, have a real knack for comedy, and we get them writing, and we have them writing um, separate from each other so that they don't kind of uh, cross pollute each other. We want them to kind of come up with uh, distinct concepts, but we get them on the same page of what's what's the problem we're trying to solve. And then we come back together and go into a very collaborative writing process where we're looking for what's what concept is the best foot forward for the brand and so, for the sale.
0: So let me dig in a little bit. So you're hiring you like bet. comedic comi- copywriters, basically people who specialize in writing copy that is funny. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say?
2: That yeah, is, that is what you're hearing me say. And, um, I mean, it depends on the project right Not All of our stuff has been comedic. I mean, 90% of it has. Right. But, right. but we're looking for people that represent what we feel like the customer base mm-hmm. in the best way possible. Meaning if we're going to be marketing a product to women, then we're making sure that we involve women for, as writers. Or if it's for mothers, then we want to have, you know, insights, of, of mothers who are writing for this thing as well. And so that it's not just a bunch of guys, you know, saying here, this is how we, this is how we think it should be, but that we're getting, um, a diverse perspective on it. And then we come together on, on it and, um, sit down with the client and show them the different concepts and basically choose a concept that we feel like is the best foot forward for the brand and for the sale
0: hold on a second. I just want to pause there. So Are you, are you, you, yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, This is how I roll. So are you doing like storyboards and you're like kind of, kind of like in the old fashioned day where you would have like hand drawings and you'll kind of storyboard the concept.
2: It it depends on the writers. Yes, we, we do. We do provide that for them at their disposal that if they, if they feel like, um, they're going to be able to get their concept across better with some, with some either storyboards or some concept boards of some kind that we make sure that they have those tools, um, to be able to go in with, um, and and we just let them know you want to paint as vivid of, of a picture as possible. That when you leave less to the imagination, um, for the most part, for the client, then it really helps them kind of see where you're going with your vision, right? And um, so, are and you are then, you getting
0: actors to mock this stuff out when you're presenting these ideas, and you're just showing kind of like real crude like acting, or are you just kind of explaining what no, the vision is?
2: So the 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 writers themselves, the ones that are pitching their own scripts
0: oh i see well okay that's cool
2: yeah so we we feel like the 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 point of origination is the best person to be able to show that passion behind it and to communicate that vision of what they want i mean there's been very rare exceptions when either a writer hasn't been hasn't been available that day to to come and do it but like yes that's that's kind of what we do
0: Got it. And I would imagine the writers come to you, like I used to own a creative agency back in the day and, you know, in the graphics and, and I know you're a creative guy. So in the back, you know, think about like logo designs. you would have somebody come to you with like 10 or 20 ideas and then you might narrow it down to your favorites and then show them to the client. Is that generally how it works? Do, are these writers bringing just a few ideas to you or do they come with a huge amount of ideas and then you guys kind of bat them back and forth and then kind of get one or two that you think are really good and then bring them to yeah, the client? And-
2: it's generally the writers coming with the one or two that they feel really passionate about. I see. Um, Yeah. Just because if if we're involving three or four writers on a script, it can get really overwhelming Um, for a client. It can get really confusing.
0: I just meant do these writers come to you first with just a couple of ideas and then you guys pick the one you like and then present it to the client or do they just come to you with their one idea? I'm talking about you, the Harmon brothers.
2: Oh, Oh, to us. Um, That just depends. As we, we also leave that up to the writers. Cool. Um, we, we definitely we – we give them opportunities to be able to bounce ideas. And all, all our writers are really good L- – let me say this just as a point of um, – it's really good for your listeners to understand that the best writers are really good at listening to feedback and advice. Mm-hmm. And wh- what I mean by that is they might have something they think is fantastic, but then they'll go and read it to other people. And then a joke falls flat and they're like, well, I can write that one out, you know, um, or, um, they try to explain the cell, and it's getting some people lost and then they're listening to that feedback. And almost every one of our writers is going through a very iterative process of reading it to several people and bouncing it off of, um, either uh, people here internally, um, or like, uh, we even have a process where they can go and screen it before a creative director before they go to the client with it so that they can give it its best shot and, and really try to refine it.
0: Awesome. So you yeah. present the idea to the client and yes. um, what's the next part of the process?
2: Once you single in on the concept, then it's all about everyone kind of checking their egos at the door and taking the best portions of all the scripts and trying to integrate them. And we, we call it Frankensteining it together a little bit sometimes and granted, someone might have a concept that's so off the wall you can't integrate anything from it because it's just it kind of lives in its own world, and there's nothing that transfers over. <laughs> but most of the time, there's either sales copy, or there's individual jokes, or there's little um, little conceptual moments or demonstration moments that you can say, "Ooh, this is, this writer really nailed this part here," where we talk about where we talk about the bed in this way, and we'll go ahead and pull that out. Or this writer, oh, let, like this this part where um, they, the way they describe this guarantee um, money back guarantee, let's go ahead and use that. Or this joke made us all laugh. Let's just find a way to get that in. And then everybody collaborates on making a final piece um, together that's um, production ready. And the idea is that no joke is left in the script unless it's making people laugh. Right. Um, and that's, that's with multiple audiences and things like that. So um will will even come away. And, um, if we felt like there was a demographic that was underrepresented in the creation process, in the, in the feedback of the creation process, that will then go and take that script and say, I don't think we got enough mothers involved yet. Mm -hmm. So let's go and do that. Or like, ah, there's not enough teenagers on this one. That's really where it's geared for. Let's make sure enough of them are, are, are seen and hearing this and see if it's resonating with them. And yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, actually scientific in a way <laughs> that, that you're very much going through this process of write and then read it and see reaction and then gather feedback and then iterate and kind of go through that process over and over again until you come up with something that's hopefully really great.
0: Now you guys definitely have some sort of a strand or storyline that goes through a lot of these videos. Um, yeah. Can you give any wisdom on how you're setting up these stories and how you're using the story just for folks that want to maybe understand a little bit of the Harmon process?
2: yeah you bet um we really try to make our videos very character focused that's a big part of the story um like for example having a prince and a unicorn that's that's really memorable even for people that don't buy so that when they're walking through the store and they see a squatty potty they're like oh yeah that made me laugh like the 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 pooping unicorn and that and that prince with all saying all the nasty things that he did with in his british accent um and then uh, or in the event of like chatbooks the mom uh, just a really relatable mom that has a crazy life and yet somehow she's kind of keeping it all together but doesn't have time to do scrapbooking or make photo books and so chatbooks comes in to provide that that service for her and so so much of it really is um character based and you see this in advertising all over the place right that you've got these recurring characters that really drives story. Like for example, um, Geico has done a, a really good job of this. Um, you the, know, they, have yeah, the got the gecko, gecko yeah. they've got the, the caveman and, and all these different characters that have come up over the years. Um, and then, um, like all state, like we're sticking with insurance companies. Yeah, mayhem, all right? Yeah mayhem. yeah. mayhem. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, exactly. And then, um, it's, it's, it's really nice because when you, when you've got a distinct character, it's much harder for a brand to run around and copy what you've done. And let me expl- let me give an illustration point by this. We always say in the world of advertising, there's kind of two polar opposite sides of it. Way over on the one side, there's traditional branding campaigns. And I'm talking about things like Nike, Red Bull, um, BW, Apple, all, all down the list, right? All that kind of stuff. And, and they're not really doing a hard sell. They're just really wanting to make you feel something cool or positive about their brand, right? And then on the polar opposite side, you've got infomercials and they're coming in with a really um, often effective hard sell where they're explaining, oh, here's the problem that you face and here's the solution for it. And, um, you know, buy now and you'll get all this, you know, here's call this 1A Hubbard in the ne- next 10 minutes and all the, these types of um, different sales tactics. And usually those two worlds, Never meet in the middle, and essentially, what we do with our campaigns is um, create um, the the kind of the perfect mixture of the two, where we feel like we can leave out the stuff that people kind of feel disgusted about with infomercials, and then also get the best portions of brand advertising without maybe necessarily having to do as big of an investment as like go the Super Bowl route and all that kind of stuff, and mix those two worlds together so that you're still selling. As you're going along and closing deals and and really educating people on the product, but then also for people that don't buy, you're making a really great impression on them, right, with um, the brand characters and making them laugh. And um, that's kind of the world that we live in. And so much of the key to that is these brand characters. And for example, with Nike, a lot of their ads are really beautiful, right? They're just ext- like you So people see people running down these um perfectly lit streets at night, or like these different scenes of like football stuff happening in the field and it feels really gritty and it's got this awesome music and stuff. And then at the end of that ad, for me, this is the way it is, you could slap a Nike logo on though there, or you could take it off and actually put an Under Armour logo on it, yeah. or you could take it off and put a Reebok logo on it, or and I wouldn't know yeah. that yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Adidas. And I wouldn't know the difference. Right. Right. And so this, that's where brand characters come in is that then people can't like even if they're um, going after kind of like the style and the feel of what you've achieved with other brands. And that's always going to happen. Right. When someone does it really well, like Apple or someone, so people are going to go in and, and try to um, mimic that style. But if you have a brand character associated with it, then everyone knows that's you. And that's one of the reasons why companies like Nike um, um, or Under Armour will go after a LeBron James, or they'll go after Steph Curry, like these famous basketball players, or um, or football players, or, or whoever it might be. Because then that's like that's like getting a brand character involved, right? Exactly. Because then, like LeBron can only be tied to Nike, and um, Steph can only be tied to Under Armour, and and th- that's a little bit of that element that they're that they're pulling in with that. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. Let me ask you a question. How long are your videos typically?
2: Um, they range anywhere from uh, well, our hero videos is what they ca- we call them. They range anywhere from two minutes to, well, we, usually we say about two to five minutes, but we've we've had videos as long as 12 minutes that are still very effective.
0: Yeah. The pooping unicorn one was a bit longer, wasn't it?
2: About three minutes.
0: Was it really? Okay. It seemed longer than that. So, okay. So in, in the two or three minutes so far we've learned that we have some sort of a unique central character. We have a really cool product that is, uh, and that character somehow is, you know, either someone that's going to totally stand out like the, the British guy or someone who's very relatable, like the mom. And, um, tell us more about the structure of what's going on and throughout the duration of that video. Like what are the stages, if you will, as you're watching that video that, that you can see as the creative director that's kind of going on technically.
2: You bet. Usually, um, what we're, we always want to start with, um, what we call a hook or just an attention grabber. And meaning as people scroll through their Facebook or their LinkedIn or YouTube or whatever it is, that video is going to be on autoplay, right? And so you need it to be that something that's going to visually grab their attention. And so that's your, your first starting point is you got to think, think, think like a customer that's just kind of bored and just scrolling through social media, not knowing what to do and like, Oh, what's going to stop them in their tracks? And make them pay attention. So that's that's the first one, and then from there, try to get into a problem. Um, you try to address the problem that people deal with, that your uh, that your um, product or service is going to solve. And um, so much about that is really um, let, let's make them feel the pain of it, right? So in the case of Squatty Potty, think people deals deal with things like hemorrhoids, right, um, and constipation, or in the case of Purple. You know, people are either getting a bed that they feel is too hard or getting a bed that they feel is just too soft and not providing the support they want, right? Um, and then you're going to come in with a solution. And what that is, is that's your, your product or service. And you're going to show how that solves the pain of the problem. Um, if you use a squatty potty, it's going to make you go ahead and squat. And then um, that's going to open up your colon. And you're going to have more healthy bowel movements. You, your podcast just got maybe as dirty as it gets, Michael. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, trust me. I'm that's, sure that's there's the been. I'm sure there's been
0: now. worse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, there's been worse. Okay. Good. Yes. Um, but yeah, we're we're deep into the bowels of this thing at this point. But oh um, the, the same thing with 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 purple is um, that like you show how the purple is going to going to both cushion your pressure points and give you the best of the soft world and it's going to provide the back support of like a hard bed. And so once you've uh, gone through that process, then you want to make sure that you're calling people to action that you're actually asking them to buy. And I know a lot of people feel, you know, weird asking people to buy, but at the end of the day, I mean, what's advertising for if it's not to sell stuff, right? So you're going to ask, ask for the sale. You're going to ask them to go to the website, sign up on your email list, Go buy it at Walgreens. Whatever you're going to do, you're just going to you're going to have your next action in place where you ask them to buy. And then it's it's all about building building the credibility of things. There's a lot of different things you can employ to do that, and um, and I don't need to dive into all that, but um, and get into overcoming doubts and concerns and that type of stuff. But that's that's basically at its at its core at a very high level. Without you know going in too deep and bo- and boring people, that's that's really what the structure of our sale is like with um, these longer form videos and all the way along you're making it really interesting so that people are connecting with your brand even if they decide not to become a customer
0: so we're starting with something that grabs them i would imagine it's either shock or humor um and then because you're using humor throughout this whole thing you're talking about the problem it seems in a way that's funny and entertaining and that's probably yes. part of the reason people keep watching is that correct
2: yeah, that is part of the reason. And it doesn't have to be just shocker humor. It can also be just something that's really relatable, right? Something it can it can even go straight into the problem, right? And it it can still be very effective.
0: If I'm not mistaken, there is a little bit of rinse and repeat going on here, isn't there, in some of these longer videos because I kind of remember in the case of Squatty Potty that you did end up showing some statistics and stuff for these longer videos, do you kind of start the process over again? Or do you just transition? You kind of alluded a little bit, you know, because obviously the core of it is problem solution. I mean, that's very basic at its core, but it's problem solution. It sounds like a bit of social proof, right? Because I remember you showing some studies in those videos that showed that this kind of stuff worked. And And then is it overcoming objections right there? Or is there a little bit of like, Hey, we're going to introduce yet another problem and how it solves that problem also.
2: Yeah. So it just depends more on the product of the service, right? That some, some uh, products or service come with unique challenges in that people immediately, if they see them, they're like, oh yeah, maybe that would work for me, but this, right? And then right. in that case, if, they, if that's always coming up for your customers, if you're if you're seeing that in places where you're selling it online. Or in interactions with your customers, then you, you're probably going to want to address that in the in the video if it's a very common thing. Um, just just because the the whole point of having a long form video like this is really to take your customer or I, I guess your viewer from zero to sold in you know two to three minutes. And so how how can you do that, right? You want to you want to make sure you resolve any doubts that they have around it. And and so if if your if your product has really powerful claims that you can associate with it, like oh, it's going to you know make you forty five percent less sleepy,
1: right, right. <laughs> or
2: wh- whatever it is, like it's 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 good to lean into those types of things, and uh, especially if there's real scientific ev- evidence behind it. Um, if you can find those core truths about your product and your service, yeah, lean, lean into them really really call those out and and make it a big part of the story
0: on the call to action is it always been buy, or have you also created videos that are designed to get some other action like go here and get a free offer I'm just curious like a free you know book ebook that kind of stuff because I would imagine you could use it for lead generation or product selling right
2: yep yep you can use it for lead generation you can use it for um people buying you can use it for donating Um, you can have people, um, uh, follow, you know, uh, your, your page or your, uh, channel or whatever it might be, or subscribe, um, just, just anything that turns that casual viewer into a more active participant in your brand. I mean, you guys have to decide ultimately for yourselves what that is for your product or service but yeah it can it can be used for any of those things
0: cuz in the case of purple it's a much more complex sale it's not an impulse buy right so i'd imagine it's harder maybe it isn't to go get someone to buy a mattress right now because it's a complex purchase right versus getting a squatty potty that you can just have delivered to your house and stick in your bathroom right.
2: purple yeah Pur- purple's definitely direct selling it definitely still ships to your door and they have a 100, 100 night guarantee and all those types of things to kind of alleviate people's uh, trepidation with trying the product, but so much of it, um, you're right, that basically, I think the way it works out is the higher dollar amount, the commitment that you're asking of people, um, probably, uh, generally what we see is the more time it takes for them to make the decision, right? Because if it's a higher dollar amount, then they're risking more, and so they usually want to do a little bit more research into it, and that's why, you know, people will jump onto things like consumer reports in order to um, research uh, a car where I'm not necessarily going to jump onto consumer reports to, you know, research a gas station. I'm just going to stop and fill up <laughs> fill up with gas when I need to, right, because it's maybe like uh, a, a couple pennies of difference between this this brand and the next one and I'm, I'm on my way. But, um, for something like purple, yeah, it takes a little bit longer for people to think about it. And before they come back and buy, and that's, that's where so much of, um, your remarketing techniques come in and being able to follow up with, um, additional content on top of your original story and sell.
0: Let's say you have a great video. The client loves it. You love it. Everybody loves it. Um, it's about three or four minutes long. Do you ever slice and dice that into shorter form videos for the various platforms that have limitations? Like Instagram obviously has, depending on what kind of video, you know, Instagram stories is like what, 15 seconds, Instagram native is yeah. 60 seconds. Talk to us a little bit about how maybe you're using short and long form video collaboratively.
2: Yeah, you bet. Let's, so let's take, for example, um, our latest campaign that we just released for Lumi deodorant. the The Facebook video on it has, I think, almost 8 million views right now. Um, and then we have a shorter form version of it that we've cut for Instagram that I think has uh, several million itself. Um, it's, it's like I said, just it's 60 seconds long and it can't tell that whole entire story, but it focuses on what we felt like was the most important if we only had a a minute in a platform to say it right. Mm -hmm. And one of the coolest things about, about doing this, about writing out, um, a longer form story is then you can go through your video and you can isolate and say, okay, cool. Here's 15 seconds of this video that I think is really powerful and it focuses just on this one little feature, right? Um, or this one little claim and I can pull that out and make a little video of it and I can put that up on Facebook and I can try it out for remarketing. I could even try it out for prospecting and see if it piques people's interest enough to be able to go through to the website and, um, and buy or, or to learn more. Right. And, and so there's all sorts of ways to kind of slice and dice up um, the longer form content. And we, and we do with with our campaigns. It's very much a multi-tiered approach where you've got your, kind of your main video. It can live on your landing page and be something that people go through and see. But then we often even sometimes find that there's um, – it, it's it's usually the exception, not the rule. But we even sometimes find little 30-second cuts of the video are actually performing more effectively for a time, even in prospecting in, yeah. in finding additional customers than even the longer form one does. But it gives you that liberty to where you have a whole bunch of, of content to work with.
0: Well, Daniel, I know I could ask you a million other questions because we're just kind of unraveling all the awesomeness of the stuff that you do. Um, however, uh, we are at the end of the interview. So what I would love you to do is share where people can discover more about you um and anything that you've got going on because I know you got a lot of cool things going on.
2: Yeah, we got some cool stuff going on. I think the um, the best starting point for um, for your listeners is probably harmanbrothersbook.com dot com. Um, uh, we had a guy follow us around for the last two or three years, where he was in on our writing retreats. He was in um, watching um, on our on our sets when we were filming. And in our in our company meetings and all these things, and we just had a bird's eye view of our process. And uh, it's called "From Poop to Gold: The Marketing Magic of Harmon Brothers" is the name of the title. There's a unicorn on the cover, predictably, <laughs> and um, and they can go there and learn about kind of our three C's of uh, creative, of creative culture, creative process, and creative partnerships that we follow to um, to be able to create these campaigns. And there's a lot of really great insights that um, can be plugged into any any business. But harmanbrothersbook.com is where you find that. And then an additional resource is where we've actually put together an entire curriculum of all of the stuff that I've talked about today in much more in depth and, and why we do all these things that we do with writing and stuff on harmanbrothersuniversity.com. And that's um, a very limited enrollment type of thing, but they can go on there. And we've opened up our entire um, playbook of, of how we write, of how we um, go through the casting, directing, editing process, all these types of things are there in, in different courses that people can take. Because um, we know not everybody you know, can jump in and do this level of campaign, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big investment for people. And so we're kind of just saying, let's just open up all our secrets and all our techniques and stuff, and let's uh, make it available to people um, I mean, last year alone, I think we had 1200 incoming leads and we really service less than, um, 10 of them, um, cause we're just kind of a small boutique, um, agency. And so we know there's a ton of demand out there for this kind of stuff, but that's another resource. Um, it's harvardbrothersuniversity.com that you can go and, and apply and, and, uh, sign up there to, for, to be notified when the next, um, class opens up. And so. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Daniel Harmon, thank you so much for coming on, sharing all your insights and wisdom with all of us. Really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you, Michael. Appreciate it.
0: Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's interview. By the way, we take all the notes for you. If there's anything that you missed, you can simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 342 for all the details. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week.